Now, quickly, before we get into this episode, a quick word from our sponsor, us. Or in other words, 1000 Visuals, the production company behind 1000 Voices. With 1000 Voices, I was looking for a studio that had that high quality cinematic and homely feel to it, but I just couldn't find anywhere. So we decided to open up our own space. We've got four high quality cinema cameras, We've got shotgun mics, not those podcasting mics that cover half your face as well, so people can see you when you're speaking to them. And we've got some basic amenities as well, water, herbal teas, espressos, you name it. We'd love to invite you to come down to our space to create some content with us. If you are interested, check the link in the description and I'd love to take you on a tour of this space and invite you to come record some stuff with us. Thank you. Now let's get back to the episode. Thank you for coming to the podcast, Paul. How are you today? I'm good, man. Very much looking forward to this. Yeah, and very much looking forward to speaking with you today. Looking forward to it quite Likewise. a bit. Likewise. <laughs> quite a bit. Likewise. So I think a good place for us to start, you being you, and probably not going to come as much of a surprise, uh, yeah. would be on the topic of failure. Yeah. And we, I think a lot of people probably have heard the stories of some of the more famous failures, yeah. some of the maybe the Oprah's or the Walt Disney's and that kind yeah. of thing. But I'd like to reflect on your own journey with yeah. failure, your own relationship yeah. with failure and how that's molded yeah. you into the person you are yeah. today. Yeah. What would you say has been, if we look back at your own life, mm. maybe your, your first significant failure mm. and what that done to you, what that done for you, I should even say. Um, it's a good question. And I think that failure is always there it was always there kind of like hovering and you kind of don't know how to back back then so I'm looking going back to school really school your relationship with failure relates to exams so you do your exams and so forth so that was my first I guess interaction with failure and becoming aware of it it wasn't it wasn't as profound as I got older, but exams. So going to school, doing your GCSEs, you know, you get you get you get your grades. Some of my grades were good, some of them weren't weren't so good. So I had to when I did my GCSEs, I had to do some again so I could do A levels. So that was disappointing. It it wasn't kind of it it, it wasn't to the point where it was damaging, but certainly it was annoying. It was, it was more of an, an annoyance then that I had to do retakes and actually keep stay a year back before I could do my A-levels and then go to university. So that was kind of my first real, I guess, firm engagement with it. And it was, it was an annoyance, but also I think definitely you feel slightly ashamed in certain certain subjects where you should have done better, didn't do as well as you should have done, and that that definitely was there. That really encouraged me to work harder. I realised that I couldn't coast. Mm. I realised that in order to achieve things that you kind of have to put the work in. And out of that, I did learn that if you focus, you do the work, you can achieve things. Because I achieved the grades, went on to, to do, um, go to, to go to college, sorry, university, and and so on. Then I kind of 
went into the workplace after that. And where it really struck me was I work for publishers. I work for publishers in Canary Wharf, those areas, and in Kai Street, Kem. Did that probably for about 10 years. And then I got to a point where, so I worked, so I worked in Canary Wharf for probably about five years, moved over to another company in the kind of like the same space, a little bit different in High Street Chem. Then the company I worked for, that I'd had been working for in Canary Wharf, they acquired the company that I was working for in High Street Chem. <laughs> so well. I ended up going back to Canary Wharf by default. And I, I always thought to myself, I'm never, I'm never, I'd never want to really work in Canary Wharf again because it was always annoying to get to. And I thought, you know what, I've done my five years there. I don't want to go back. But it's almost like Groundhog Day. I was going mm. back to the very same building. But instead of going to the 23rd floor, I was going to, going to maybe the 20th floor. And so I went back, got, I realised that the company that I was working before in High Street, Ken, we were very entrepreneurial. We could go out, I, my background was probably more sales and that type of arena. So that, that environment was more entrepreneurial, entre, entrepreneurial. We could have an idea, go and speak to the client, come back to the business and say, look, we want to do this. It's a little bit different than what we were doing before. Can we do it? Pretty much we were given f free reign to have those conversations and the business would, would pretty much back us. Going back to Canary Wharf, it was more corporate. It was less... It was more, I guess, um, they had, I guess, things in place so you couldn't free will it. You know, you might be working yeah. on something, and you might it might take you a, it might take you a year from going out having a conversation to actually executing because there were to there were so many different stakeholders involved in a in a potential decision for a deal. So, I realised that when I went back that maybe this probably wasn't the best fit. And this is leading up to a failure which did, which did impact me. So I, I, so I decided, so, so randomly I got an opportunity which came from nowhere and it was to join a startup. And it was in the same ecosystem, but on a, it kind of like, a, it was more on a tech side than on a publisher side. And it was working with people that I knew that I knew well. We all had wonderful relationships, and we still do to, to today. And it was exciting, and it, it kind of came left field. So I was approached by it, flattered, and decided, well, I'll take it because I was feeling slightly in a corporate role. I felt that it, I didn't have passion for it. I felt slightly restricted in my ability to, to to use initiative. So I thought this is totally what I need. So I so I took the role and I kind of started, I think it was at the back end of the year, so I started this role in startup in January. And it kind so we had huge ambition. We were all very excited, nervous at the same time. And our, our, I won't go into the sort of ins and outs, but ultimately we, the idea we had, a, we had 
developed a tech play where we wanted to support publishers, smaller publishers, help them monetize their digital real estate. And we felt that we could really fill a void in, a, in the market that pretty much had, to our, to our mind, was potentially neglected. And we felt that we had the expertise and we had the, the tech tools to, to plumb a solution together, or knit a solution together is probably a better word, mm. and actually de and, and deliver that to publishers that either didn't have the expertise or maybe they didn't have the resource internally. And it never really got going. We kind of had some initial successes, but it never really yielded the results that we wanted to. My role was to look after um, partnerships and growth, so pretty much sales. And it was it was it was leveraging relationships that I got in the market. I had lots of relationships that I'd harnessed over the years, so I was able to kind of go to market. So we go and speak to them and really get them to, to buy into it, but we couldn't really scale the way that we needed to scale. We didn't have huge investment to underpin the operation, so mm. we kind of, most people, was anybody that's listened to this and watching that works in that startup land, when you get going, the egg timer's on in terms of, you know, the, 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 you, burn ca you burn cash. Yeah. So you kind of have to be in a place where you've, you don't, even if you've got lots and lots of money, you can really burn cash quite quickly. So your play has to be pretty, pretty nailed on. All the members of the team have to be switched on in terms of what their role is, how they're going to execute. And also, you, we need, you, need, you need to learn very quickly, and also you need to be flexible in terms of, you can't have a standard role. Your role, although I was looking at, looking at partnerships and growth, we were all doing multiple things, from finance to, to uh, IT. When I worked in a mm. corporate, I would just literally drop an email to somebody, say, to, to somebody relating to IT, go make a coffee, come back, and it's all done. This mm. was totally different. I was having to, how do I do this? The startup world, you get yeah. involved in everything, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. We get involved in everything. So, so long story short, after about 10 months, I was made redundant. And it was, it was pretty devastating because I, so, so literally, I'd get people messaging me saying, um, I, your new job, let's catch up about it. I wasn't there. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> Gone. Hasn't lasted. So, so that was, you know. So we knew it was coming because, on a lot of platforms, particularly in the tech space, particularly on the sales side, you can actually you actually can see in real time what the revenue is like. So you could see, you could just go into um, UI dashboard and you could see what the revenue would be like. You'd kind of know what it would be like anyway because you'd be aware of what deals you were doing, and. So, so that was, so that, yeah, I had to process that. And that was, so it's interesting, it's an interesting question you posed because I think mm. that if I reflect on it now, the, it's more, in, I felt more embarrassed. There's probably a bit of relief as well because I probably felt that, knew it wasn't going particularly well. And when, and sometimes when you know it's not going particularly well, you you kind of have these conversations with yourself and you and some of it you keep in denial and some of it 
when you become more experienced, you can be more honest about and you actually can deal with it. At the time, probably I wasn't able to be as honest with myself as possible. If I look back on it now, was that role the best role for me and the business? Me doing that role, having the right passion for it? There's question marks there. And you kind of don't, at the time, you kind of push them to one side because we're all in it together. We need to deliver and you want to deliver your absolute best for the team the, the business didn't mm. survive ultimately but you kind of you, we're all friends and, and comrades so we all wanted to represent each other and do and do as well as we possibly could so that was a that was tough to to digest and to process and I and as I say there's a there's a stigma. You don't like saying, well, I got made redundant after 10 months. What, you were talking about that? And yeah. About this going to be the best thing since sliced bread and this, that and the other. And you say, well, potentially it could be, but it's not going to be with me. And so you have to kind of process that and then you dust yourself down. But I think what you do over time and experience, you realise that when, you, when we think that the world's looking at us because something's happened to us, they're not. Yeah, Every, yeah. Everybody's getting on with their lives. It's true. And everybody is focused on, most people want the best for us, individuals. And I learned to kind of have a, over a period of time, I learned to have a different narrative and perspective when it comes to failure and what it means. Um, so I, I got another job quite quickly, quite lucky, got another job probably three months later mm. in the same space. And, but I had this, I, I would be at the gym, I'd go to dinner, I could be anywhere and I would think about, I started to think about, you mentioned people like Oprah. Yeah. I started to think about people like Oprah. How does Oprah cope with difficult moments? How does Oprah cope with setbacks and I thought she copes with it differently to me Jay-Z he has his had setbacks he deals with it miles differently to me so I started to think about this more and more and more and it kind of concerned me that potentially we've got people all over the world that are very, very capable at whatever their given talent is. But they might have a setback, a difficult moment. Because I don't like the word failure because of the connotation. I've, I prefer to use setback. Yeah. And maybe they're living, they're not living their real life. There's an author called Stephen Pressfield who's done lots of wonderful books, The War of Art, Turning Pro. He talks about this concept called Shadow Lives. So it's that inability to really go after what we really want to do. And it could be because of a setback. It could be because of fear. It could be because of lack of confidence. There's a whole myriad of things that go into that. But I thought about everybody or people that, don't, that aren't like Oprah, that aren't like Jay-Z, that aren't like Thomas Edison, that... Maybe they're doing their, their life isn't what it should be because they've not able they've not been able to process failures. They've not been able to process 
setbacks. And that I thought that's crazy because when we have setbacks, if we're able to process it, like Oprah as an example, she uses failures or I'll go, I'll, I'll go back to or the word setbacks. setbacks. She, she uses setbacks as opportunities. She uses setbacks as an opportunity to grow. She's learnt more than she... So she knows more today than she did yesterday or beginning of the day. And that's the way that we should be processing these difficult moments that, that do happen because you, as an example, put together an amazing podcast. Thank you. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing what you're doing and the growth that you've had and in order to get to this point where you're producing wonderful content and you've you've got this wonderful initiative and idea you would have to get to this point now there would have been difficult moments challenges but instead of when those challenges hit you instead of packing up and thinking you know what this is hard this is far harder than i ever anticipated because your vision and your purpose is strong you decided actually you developed a behavior where you learn from all those different situations those different setbacks those challenges and that's the kind of mindset that i want everybody to have that ability where like carol dweck who who's written a book called mindset it's a wonderful book mm. she talks about the growth mindset you've got a fixed or the growth mindset fixed is you kind of like you're kind of like that and I used definitely used to be like that where you if you hit a, if you hit a dead end you're kind of thinking well maybe it's not meant to be if you've got that growth mindset which you've used to navigate all these different challenges that you'd have had to get to this point you think well if it now I know that it doesn't work this way I've, I can look over here and I can tweak things and I can adjust things mm. and that's where you know i want to get to from a personal perspective yeah i want to have more of that about me but also i think that we live in such challenged times difficult times and but hopeful times as well i just think it's really important that people have tools because we all have them within ourselves but it's just having that ability well i think initially it's having the awareness that we all are very capable. Setbacks are an opportunity. And once you once we have that awareness, we now have the ability to actually achieve remarkable things. With I mean, thank you for that that context. With your experience working at the startup, yeah. <clears throat> it was ten months. Mm. Like that sounds super volatile. But within ten months you've gone or the firm has gone from, okay, great, we've got this mm. super amazing offering or mm. service that we're doing mm. and then 10 months later people are being made redundant mm. because maybe cash is being burnt mm. through that and in your capacity you were the head of partnerships and mm. growth essentially mm. probably the most senior sell in charge of sales well yeah we had it was a, it was a lean team and everybody was sort of pretty senior so everybody had a senior title so what i'm wondering was <clears throat> with yourself and having that sales mm. remit and then the firm not doing as well mm. as it did and then that being what you deemed like your first significant setback, mm. was there 
And then there's also the element of embarrassment or shame mm. or anything. The same thing you spoke about when you spoke about your exams. Yeah. And having to repeat. And then there's that same element of shame and embarrassment mm. there. Do you feel that, two questions off the back of that. One, with this particular setback, mm. was there an element of the fact that you felt you were responsible for bringing in the business and therefore maybe taking it very personally mm. that things didn't take off the way mm. they, well, the team probably expected it to take yeah. off. Was there that element of it that made it more difficult, that personal element? And secondly, after that particular experience, how has the way in which you interact with setback yourself evolved or changed, particularly from a mental standpoint? Do you still have that same shame or embarrassment that comes with it or has that evolved over time? Yeah, I think it has evolved. Um, I've answered the first part of the question first and then I'll answer the second part. Yeah. So I think with being made redundant from that role, I I guess what I learnt along the way, I didn't learn this at the beginning, but I learned this along the way, that it's better not to blame anybody else for anything that happens to us because it's counterproductive. We we focus on the wrong thing. It's almost like blame culture and that probably is counterproductive. So we're you know, we're all adults in the room. So when you when we do something, when we take on a challenge, a different initiative, we do it with our eyes open. They employ us because they like us, because they believe that we're skilled, we're intelligent, we're hardworking, we're trustworthy. So they you know, there's there's gratitude for for them giving me the opportunity. So I would never, uh, and and these people are friends. If they walked in and now, we'd be friends. We'd kind of like, you know, we'd have, you know, we'd hug and we'd we'd embrace and we would, um, yeah, we would get on. We might be a little bit reflective over over a drink or something. Mm. So it so I think when you go into the startup world. It is volatile. It is difficult. It is, it is. It can break you. It can, it can. You know, I said that we're friends. People can go into these environments as friends, and very quickly, Turn. that those friendly relationships can can fall by the wayside. So, I kind of knew what I was getting into. It, it was probably more. I w I wish there was a. The outcome was different, but as I reflect on it now, I, I listened to a wonderful interview you did with uh, Chloe Davis, oh. and part of what she was talking about was things happen for a reason. Not that we wanted the, the business not to succeed, but that everybody that was part of that journey would have grown. Because when I look back at that job, I learned so much. That's a key mm -hmm. part of it. In 10 months, I probably learned more in 10 months than I did in five years because I was doing so many different things. So you don't look at that. When you fail, you think about embarrassment. You don't think about the growth. There's huge growth when we, when we, have, a, when we have an ideal or purpose and we go after it, we tend to focus on the negative, not any positive. The brain, I, I learned... I was at a, on a talk recently and somebody said that, as a psychologist said that the brain is four times more 
in when something happens, it's form sometimes more in tune with the negative than the positive. Mm. So we're we're gonna without that awareness, we're gonna lean into the negative. And and uh, yeah, and the second part of the question, I think for me, m yeah, my relationship is different with setbacks because. So Carol Dweck's, what I mentioned before, there are opportunities. Sorry, growth mindset is the ability to, something happens, not, not what we want to happen. The people that we really admire have got that ability to kind of take that information and use it from a positive perspective. Anybody that, that, you, anybody that you admire that's successful whether they be a podcast or an author, a salesperson, an athlete, a musician, 100% those people would have had any number of different challenges, setbacks, failures, whatever you want to call it. But what they've all got in common is they've all got a unique ability to use that, those situations as opportunities to grow and develop. Thank you for that. I've got a number of different, um, loads of different threads of questions that are coming to my head. One thing I think is, would be very, very valuable mm. is that I'm a believer that, and you, you can maybe correct me if you have different thoughts or beliefs, but I'm a believer that, because you mentioned maybe Oprah, mm. Jay-Z, and some of these other more mm. famous people mm. that we come across, they go, they've gone through the same challenges that me and you and mm. every other person has gone through or everyone, everyone else in their particular field has gone through yeah. or a similar set of challenges. And for whatever reason, they've been able to come back, overcome and um, achieve a major level of success. Mm. And I'm a believer, just, it, it's literally just down to how they've reacted to setbacks that they've mm. had. Not everybody does or can react to setbacks that they had. And also, not everybody even knows how to where the growth opportunity is yeah. in the setback they've had. Like, <clears throat> how do how do you learn? Where is the learning? Mm. Where's the growth? How can someone see the opportunity in a setback? Where where is it? <laughs> how do you begin to understand well, where it is? Well, I think that you. I think today we live in a so 2024. Years ago, without the, didn't have internet technology, didn't have YouTube, didn't have books, one on mass. So, and also you didn't have people out there, thought leaders that were putting out wonderful content that we can all access. Like as an example, you you produce a podcast. Anybody that wants to level up can access your podcast at the click of a button, go to their podcast, go to their smartphone, you know, simple tap, you got that, you can listen to that, you can listen to that at the gym, you can listen to that at the tube. So, so to answer your question, I think that we kind of have to, in my opinion, we have to align ourselves to people that are doing good things. We have to become more aware. We have to so somebody said to me the other day that that 
in, in life there are always opportunities but it's always it's kind of like having that awareness to kind of to take action and to and to be to be accountable for ourselves when these moments happen it's not easy but mm. I think over time we do develop an awareness where we can learn and we can access you know to just going back to what I was saying before there's YouTube <coughs> there's books people don't have you don't, you don't have to have physical contact with these people you know a lot of people that I follow I've never met a lot of people that inspire mm. me I will never ever meet but they're they've got books they've got podcasts they've got um, YouTube channels it could be it could be a work colleague and it's it's not it doesn't happen instantly but I think that if we really want to tune in to opportunity I think we take a moment and we become aware and then we just act and act and act and acting could be just listening to something that gives us clarity of mind because I think when we when we get in a practice of doing that things will change we'll start listening to different things our thoughts will be different to what they were before so it's not easy but it is just a different practice a different habit you know before we started recording mm. you made an offhand comment mm. about so for anybody if you're watching on YouTube you might be able to see that Paul's got right now <laughs> a cup of herbal tea in his hand. Mm. And you got the love. It's a love yes, pack yes. of tea. He made an offhand comment about, yeah, we need I'll take the love one. We need more love in the world. Yeah. And then proceeded to prepare your tea. And also your you've got your own podcast. You yeah. mentioned one thousand voices, but you've got your own one as mm. well. My perfect failure. And you're also working a full time job. Yeah. Got a podcast. Working a full time job is clearly got to be a passion of yours because it's not easy to juggle both of those things. Um, I'm wondering what is important to you right now. I mean, what is it that you, what, what's your vision? What are you striving for? Why do you do what you're doing? What keeps you going? I think what keeps me going is because I know how I felt when I got made redundant. I know how I felt. It wasn't the end, of, it wasn't the end of the world. Maybe for, maybe for 40 hours, it felt like the end of the world. And, but then I, I tapped into what I learned. And then, you know, like you, I'm like, I like people. And I think that in life we can, so life isn't forever. And we're not here for an infinite amount of time. And I think the idea that we can go through life without really understanding who we really are because of situations that happen, setbacks, and we do a job every day, or we go into a profession that we're really not aligned to, but we've just done it. We have that compound effect where we just do something out of habit but it's not mm. really what we want to do because we don't have mm. the confidence because we're not around 
the right people to kind of give us those little points of direction to say, look, man, you can do this. You've got the ability. Read this, listen to this. It can happen. And so that's why I do the podcast, because I believe that there are lots of people that have slipped through the cracks. You know, I'm one of them. And you can you can live it's very easy to live somebody else's life and i want to give as many people as i can a seed of hope that their own life is accessible to them accessible to them it's a decision away like you know you mm. and i you you've agreed thankfully to come on, on my podcast and you could say one thing that somebody could pick up and that is just a seed and that will change that person's life. It will lead to them to maybe listening to your podcast. They might listen to the one with Chloe Davis that I mentioned, or they might just mm. do something else. They might they might look what you that you and your partner create in here and they might think, Well, I've got a similar idea to that, or I've got an idea. It might be a totally different subject and yeah, I just want to be able to div- drop little seeds into people's lives that will help them realise that actually I can do something that maybe I thought I never could do because uh, it, because it's for other people, not me. How many people have you interviewed so far for your podcast? Um, I think I've published... Good question. I've published... Uh, I it's, it's, a, it's quite a lot. Yeah, I've probably interviewed... Probably just shy of 300. Wow, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just shy of 300. I haven't published that many, but I've interviewed them to some that I haven't published yet. Do you see any commonalities between the people that you've spoken to in an interview for your podcast in terms of like how they've been able to overcome the setbacks that they've faced? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I guess what's inter- I guess there's a couple of things spring to mind. One is that they they all don't realise how resilient they are. They all sometimes we have to hit rock bottom. Maybe not rock bottom, but we have to experience difficult moments to realise how capable we really are. And what um, and one thing that really shines out to me from all the people that I've had conversations with is that those difficult moments have led to them all to, when they've acknowledged those difficult moments, it's given them almost the strength to go after to go after what they really want to in life. And they're all ready to learn. And they're all, some of them, I was, I, not always, but a lot of the time I ask this question about around now that you're now that your life has changed, now you're doing something that was a million miles away from what you were doing before, was it all worth it? A lot of them say yes. Some of them say, Well, you know what, I'm glad what I'm doing now, but I I wish I didn't have to go through that. But I guess the thing that gives me hope and gives me encouragement is that regardless of where we are if anybody's listening to this or watching this now, regardless of where you are now, that if it's a difficult moment, you can, you, 
that's it's just a difficult moment it's an opportunity to learn and you can and you can and you will be able to find a better way a better opportunity a life where you're where you're living a life that is it might be quite different to what you're doing now but it will be the life that you want and I'm not sure if I've quite answered that question but I think that resilience is there and the the ability to get up and to go again from a personal perspective I've had difficult moments mm. I've had super difficult moments and I feel that like I've I've had moments that have been you know being tough or whatnot mm. but through my own strength or through my own resilience or whatnot I've been able to overcome mm. and learn and grow from it I've had moments more recently or periods of time maybe like a year or two ago where it was crazy tough mm. and you know it's tough and then you still go to work you chat with people you're yeah. smiling and everything yeah. nobody nobody knows yeah. what's up but you got to put on your happy face and all that but I've had moments where it's crazy where yeah. I'm thinking all sorts of stuff and whilst it's not about me right now maybe we can delve into it when, when I come to your podcast mm. but if it wasn't for my wife yeah I, it, it's I'm, I'm struggling I'm yeah. really struggling but that's because I've had some outside help mm. in terms of like because I think with a lot of people they may they, they probably understand the concept of failing or, mm. set, or setbacks and then learning from the setbacks and yeah. going through it and from the outside in, is is easy to be like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, we we know we can look at Michael Jordan and Jay Z and mm. whatnot. Yeah, we mm. know. Yeah. Great. When it happens to us, we will just do the same thing. When you're in it, <laughs> when you're in it, it's different. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> from a mindset perspective, like how do you? How can someone navigate it when they're in the midst of a really tough period, a really tough setback, or mm. whatnot? From my perspective, what what I don't know is there particular resources or particular practices that you'd recommend or you've heard of people talk about that you people can utilize to come out or yeah from these. So so you've actually said probably what my answer would be, or certainly a, a certainly significant part of my answer is to don't if anybody you I listening, watching, experiencing difficult moments, like really difficult moments. We don't need to be in these moments alone. We should ask, we should reach out to somebody, whether it be a, a loved one, a partner, uh, a family member, a, um, <clears throat> a, um, a, fr a colleague at work, or somebody that we just know that you have those conversations with. There might be just one person, De don't, suffer in silence reach out to people because because there are so many people that do want to help that do want to support maybe maybe all we need for them is to listen so we definitely should reach out we should um also what i think is an important resource is to particularly when we're trying to achieve things i i definitely feel that people talk about people being man-made and all this and the other when they achieve or, or women made when they go and achieve excellence. They've always got somebody in their corner that supports them. Nobody ever does anything remarkable alone. So I definitely feel that we have to be, to, to have that 
to develop that gene where we ask for help. Don't suffer in silence. There, there are people. I know that. I know we've we've, you know, used the word failure, but some people don't want to. Like me as an example, I'm not a great one for reaching out and um, asking for help, or you know, I'm not. But there are one or two people that I can. I've got like a, an old work colleague that if I'm go if I'm struggling, I ring him up. He he works, but we find time. Same similar to me. He will ring me up. I've got a couple of friends that will ring me up when they're going. And you know the interesting thing is, sometimes when they ring me up, they actually got the answers. All that all I'm doing is listening. I'm just a soundboard. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a tool that most of us have at our own disposal at our own disposal and I think that we shouldn't suffer in silence you mentioned something it just brought a memory to my head you say just a soundboard like this I remember uh, not even that long ago probably a few months ago it, I was just working a lot yeah <laughs> on the podcast and on at work and everything and I was just really tired <laughs> really tired and yeah. I remember um, I was coming home and I don't know what happened, it was late, because I don't know what happened, I yeah. can't remember, but it was late for some reason, and I think I missed my train, oh and it was, no, you know when it was that zero yeah. degrees, <laughs> I, was, oh I, was like, no. I was so cold waiting yeah. on the platform, yeah. you know, I called my wife, and I was like, oh, I'm tired, yeah. <laughs> it's not that I wanted any advice, I just wanted to get yeah. it off my chest, mm. <laughs> and then after I got off my chest, I felt better, yeah. I, just, just, I just wanted to talk, yeah. and rant a bit, yeah. and I like what you said about, it. so you don't necessarily have to have the answer, just have a yeah. soundboard there, someone you can just get off your chest yeah. too, so you don't feel like you're going through things yeah. alone. You've mentioned a number of different books yeah. throughout this podcast so far. Do you have any particular resources that you'd recommend for in this area of setback and failure? Um, yeah, Carol, Carol Dweck's book, my, uh, Mindset, I'd recommend that. I'd recommend, um, I'd recommend um, uh, Ryan Halliday's book, um, um, the object is the way. That's a good book um, to, to look at. Um, there's also, I would recommend anything by uh, Seth Godin. Um, Lynchpin is is a, is a wonderful book. Um, there are another book that I like, um, and I think it's very very impactful and somebody that goes through huge challenges is Phil Knight's um, oh, Shoe Dog. Yeah. That's an amazing book because you've got somebody that's created Nike that encountered any number of challenges. And I, and I don't want people to go through that depth of challenges, but it shows you that you can go beyond that. And he had, you know, you've, you've got your wonderful partner he had his wonderful partner that was there for him through thick and thin. So there are lots of others that equally will probably be impactful. Yeah, and I see you very humbly haven't mentioned your own podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, well, I'm lucky that you've agreed to come on it. Yeah, but my perfect failure is kind of like a around what we've been discussing, and it and it's um. Yeah, I get huge satisfaction out of meeting wonderful people. From a selfish perspective, it's brought me into contact with so many amazing people. And 
I get to remind myself every time I have a conversation that people have huge potential and that it's almost, you know, like we get that compound effect where you realise mm. that regardless of what industry our passion is, if we encounter difficult moments, we can achieve. And, and just to sort of labour on that, I think if we're not having difficult moments, this is almost counterintuitive, but if we're not experiencing challenges, it's almost like we're coasting, that we're not actually going to hit the ceiling of our capability. Mm. If you don't have any, so like if, you, if you and I as podcasters don't experience any difficult moments to get to where we want to go to, we're probably never going to get there because there has to be some resistance. There has to be moments where we don't get things right in order for, th for us to develop and grow. For sure, <laughs> a million percent, a million yeah. percent. You mentioned your podcast, you asked your guests whether they would go through the yeah. journey ever. And most people mm. say, yeah, some people say, no, nah, I wish I didn't yeah. have to go through it. I'll put that back to you. <laughs> would you, if you had to, would you go through your entire journey all over again? And if you, and, and also to add on to that, what would you do, if anything, differently to what you did? So, so I'm, I was going to say I'm glad I went through it. I wouldn't say that. That's extreme. <laughs> so I would say that I think it was meant to be. I was meant to have that difficult moment. I think it mattered. And I think it was an opportunity for me to learn and grow. I didn't realise that at the time. But I realise it now because I wouldn't have had all these amazing conversations. And also, since, that, since then, it's not all been you know, it's all smelling the roses. I still do encounter challenges, but to your point, you asked me earlier about how I engage with those, those difficult moments. I, I think I just have a better relationship and a better awareness around how I, I approach them and how I mentally, I'm, I'm sort of geared up to deal with them. I still have difficult moments. I still think, oh, why did that happen? I didn't need that to happen today, this, that, and the other, but I've just got better capacity to 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 deal with that there was a second part i forgot the second part of the question um if you was to go back yeah. what would you do differently if anything um would i do anything differently um you know what i think i would i would like to have had is more faith in me i think more faith in in my ability to in my capacity to overcome situations, just have more faith in me generally. I think before then, I've my resistance and my strength has grown. It probably was more fragile then. I wish it was a little bit robust back in the day, but, but maybe that's the journey. Maybe if I didn't go through that moment, I wouldn't be sat here now talking to you, and I'm glad that I'm sat here talking to you. So what happened then was meant to happen. And there will be more failures along the way, but those failures, I believe, will be part of my journey. They're part of my growth. They're part of, they're part of, the the legacy I want to leave. So if I don't, if I go through life without any more failures, then that's that's a problem. That's amazing. That's great, Paul. It's been amazing. Thank you, Devin, man. It's been great. Yeah. Have you got any final words for us? 
Well, yeah, well, I, my final words are, I love 1000 Voices. It's a huge honour to be part of this podcast and contribute and to, to be one of a thousand amazing conversations you're going to have. And I guess, I guess finally, I think that everybody listening, watching this, your podcast should enjoy. But, but equally, I think they've all got amazing opportunities ahead of them, despite what challenges they will encounter. And we shouldn't be, we shouldn't let difficult moments be the end. They're not the end. They should be the beginning of the next chapter. They're never the end. It's amazing. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming on. Thank you. Uh, your podcast is on, it's everywhere, right? Yeah, right. just main, yeah, so you can find My Perfect Failure on all the, all the normal directories. Perfect. Check out My Perfect Failure. I love the concepts, by the way. So, Thank uh, you. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the description when this episode comes Thank out, you. whenever it does come out. But that's that for now. Thank you for coming to the podcast, Paul. Really much appreciated. We had Paul Padmore, the host and founder of By Perfect Failure. And for now, people, we're out. If you would like to understand how you can use your voice to drive change, how you can craft compelling stories to move audiences, and for additional wisdom from the guests that we have on the podcast, sign up to our newsletter. Every single week, we send actionable pieces of advice to change makers like you. So if you haven't already, the sign up link for the newsletter will be in the description of this episode.